It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name's James True Penny. This is my show. And today we are talking both Impact Wrestling and Glate. Uh, and I might put a little bit of another subject in there to surprise my guest today, Mr. Marcus Green of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. How are we doing, sir? Going good. This is uh, us continuing our uh, re-emergence, re- if you will, into into Impact. You know, this uh, celebration of a thousand episodes. Didn't think we'd get here. It was a rocky roll, but uh, you know, uh, an earned an earned journey, if you will. And uh, you know, like, like I said, we kicked off talking about the first half of it, which was which was I thought was solid. And uh, yeah, we're gonna get off into the the, the second part. Indeed, we're also going to be Glate number 58, uh, he says. Yeah. I'm sure. No, it's 58. Yeah, it's 58 we're looking at. Unfortunately, we're going to look at 59 as well. That was the plan. Unfortunately, 59 has not been released on YouTube yet, so we, we can't. Apologies for that. We would like to talk about it, but it, we can't see it, so it's not really very fair of us to talk about it. We will be looking at uh, version 60 and 61 next week when they come up on YouTube. Version 60 is already out. They missed out 59. We don't know why. We were going to talk about that next week and have like a long three-week elongated stretch, but we're going to chop it to two weeks because um, one episode of a Glate show and one episode of an Impact show is about a good Troopity show as far as we're concerned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, one quick aside, I will say. Because of the, the the organizations myself and Marcus talk about most, there was a Ring of Honor World Championship match in New York City. And the Mad King, Eddie Kingston, took the title from Fabio Castagnoli. I was wondering what your thoughts were on that particular event, sir. Yeah, I thought, look, I thought I thought it was solid. Um, you know, they 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 doubled up on their, their Grand Slam shows. Uh, this week with, with Dynamite and, and uh, Rampage, and I thought it was solid stuff across the board, you know. Uh, but particularly with, with that instance, because I didn't I didn't think it was going to go that way. You know, Claudio's been pretty consistent, and we've been seeing uh, a certain level of dominance from the Black uh, Pool Combat Club. But uh, you know, they took some L's that night, uh, definitely, and specifically with that match, that was good. Uh, real animosity between those two, apparently. And uh, translated in the match because, because you know, Eddie Kingston doesn't really pull any punches on or off screen, so uh, it was solid. But to, to see him, you know, get that 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 victory, you know, while he's the, uh, the New Japan uh, champion as well, uh, you know, on this side of on this side of the world anyway, you know, after because you know Eddie Kingston's story, he was pretty much about to be out of wrestling, uh, I think, during COVID. Because it, it got tough for him, so to see him, you know, be able to come to AEW and, and thrive in the way he has, be able to be discovered on a on a big stage by so many people now, and go from, you know, complete almost quitting the business to you know being a dual champion, it's uh it's fantastic to see. You know, I don't think I ever get tired of seeing good things happen for the Kings. I think that's you know I think that speaks volumes to, you know, just how dynamic of a guy he is in this crazy business. I think that's the thing. I mean, um, Eddie hadn't been Claudio since 2009, so he was due. 
that's a that's a 14 year wait and that's long enough for anybody yeah but the story of Claudio Castagnoli and Eddie Kingston is the story of Shikara and it was very fitting that Bryce Rensburg was there to count the three for Eddie Kingston and I I was with you I thought Claudio's going to take it and they'll build it to the next pay-per-view because you know an opening match on on Dynamite is not the same as the Ring of Honor pay-per-view in, in as far as like gravity is concerned. There's no knock on Dynamite. It's a really good show and they've got some great wrestling on it. But it, I didn't think it would occur there. But the one thing that gave me hope was a promo Eddie cut just before the match, which was, you really think you can beat me in New York? New York's looked after me and I'll look after New York. And that switched my mind that it was like, hey, this is on. <laughs> this is going to happen. And I actually did wake up very early, like far past four, to watch Eddie Kingston versus Claudio Castagnoli first thing on Thursday morning. And yeah, I was so proud of Eddie. Just love Eddie to death. I like Claudio as well. But in the kayfabe world, as we often delve into, Claudio can't be trusted. And he's proven he can't be trusted. And Eddie was right all along. And that's a brilliant story to tell. But Claudio shook his hand and said it was it. No more. He's done. And Eddie Kingston is your Ring of Honor World's Champion, as well as the New Japan Strong Champion. It was interesting. He was being advertised by New Japan for the US tour <laughs> coming up in November. So it was fairly obvious they were pretty sure he was going to be New Japan Strong Champion after that match, uh, which made me laugh. So, yeah, but very cool. Very, very cool and a very cool match. But let's just move back to the initial uh, foray, if you will, into the thousandth episode or thousandth and month thousandth and first thousandth and first episode sorry i forgot how to speak english then thousandth and first episode of impact which opened with an x uh, ultimate x match which has never been complete in my cup of tea because i'm absolutely terrified someone's going to brain themselves um and this was no exception but it kind of did like showcase the signature match of the x division what was your thoughts on this one marcus yeah, nobody knows how to kick off a show with a bang like the exhibition. Um, this was a good, this was a, you know, because, you know, really throughout these two shows, it's so much historical, uh, full circle history, if you will, with a lot of the, the, the names, match concepts, titles, what have you. And uh, yeah, this, this was the 50th uh, Ultimate X match coming off of, you know, Saban's grand 10th uh x division title win uh you know to determine a new challenger and like i said nobody knows how to kick off a show or the band and kick off you know anything really like the x division a lot of high flying they have to find stuff they thrive and stuff like this good competitors in the match um and when you look at who the winning when you look at i guess the field it kind of makes sense he's the only person i think you know was alex angel yeah um, yeah Alexander, you know, the only one who hasn't necessarily been a champion or wasn't a champion uh, in the match. Uh, looking at, you know, Zachary wins for that. So uh, it made sense. You know, he should be a, a solid opponent going going and saving as his first challenge in his 10th title reign. And, uh, yeah, it was some interesting stuff. Like you said, it's always intriguing to watch these type of matches because obviously there's a danger element involved, but also a level of creativity when it comes to how they're going to execute uh, you know, a lot of those, I guess, near falls, if you will, uh, in terms of almost getting there and how it's going to finish because 
know, getting it is one thing, much like the Feast of Five match that we saw. Getting the case is one thing, but you also have to land and uh, get to the floor with it. So, yeah, it was, uh, good, good. like I said, solid open. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, was, it was a lot of fun. Just the kind of uh, high-impact kind of thing that Impact have been known for. Um, and back to something equally as impacty. Dirty Dango, uh, accompanied by Alpha Bravo, wrestled Jake something. Um, and I'm trying to remember what happened in this match, which will tell you that it wasn't particularly a great professional wrestling match. Jake Dunn, Jake something, won in four minutes and six seconds. Too short for a cage bitch. Kate, Kate, by my pardon. Oh dear. Too short for a cage match. Put my teeth in and not say that word ever again. Um, a too short for a cage match rating match. Uh, Jake something took the victory. Um, it was fine. It was nice to see Jake something. I like him. I think he's good. Um, Dirty Dango, he's all right. A um, lot of character stuff. Kind of um, kind of throwback to uh, anti-wrestling stuff, which we've seen many times in wrestling. It's a trope. It's become a trope. And that's not, nothing wrong with it being a trope. Um, I suppose it's very similar to the sports entertainer stuff that we see in AEW and just a different angle on that. And it was cool. What do you think of this one? Yeah, same. You know, it's interesting seeing, uh, you know, uh, Bravo has found himself as a, you know, very much a, a wide variety tool across Impact these last, you know, however many years he's been there. He's been involved in a lot of different stuff. And uh, he, he certainly makes himself useful. No, I've never really been a huge fan of Dango, uh, but it's been interesting seeing his tenure after WWE, particularly in Impact, and what that's kind of yielded. But I think more so than anything, like you said, not a great match or memorable. You won't remember this match uh, at all. But you know, I think uh, bringing back Jake something was a was a good get. Um, got got a lot of potential. Great vibe. Uh, yeah, you know, they continue to build him and grow him. He could very well be a a future world champion one day. So, you know, uh, this is just another, you know, another part of that building block for him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, next up, we had some contrived shenanigans, I think it's best described as. <laughs> uh, initial match, Eric Young, um, accompanied by Team Canada's Scott DeMore, president of the company. Kenny King, who was accompanied by Sheldon Jean, in 35 seconds when King went a bit loopy and text, uh, attacked Eric um, and caused his sort of disqualification. Then Shark Boy came out <laughs> and made the match an eight-man tag team match. Well, he may start off with a regular tag team match between Eric Young, Scott Demore, and Sheldon Jean and Kenny King, and that didn't really go very far. It lasted 10 seconds before they got disqualified. And then he made it an eight-man tag team match, pitting the design, Dina and Con, along with Kerry Kinn and Sheldon Jean, up against Eric, America's most wanted, Chris Harris and James Storm, alongside Eric Young and Scott Demore. Um, it was a bit of a mess. It was contrived, as much as I said, um, as the commentary team slowly tried to figure out um, how, uh, well, it was Matthew Reinhold and Tom Hennepin, tried to figure out how Shark Boy could prep the president of the company into a tag team match which I think they were quite right to question. <laughs> but they were pointing holes in the company's logic, which is not the best thing for the commentary team to do. Um, it was mildly pointless fun. Um, what do you think of this one, Marcus? Yeah, like you said, shenanigans abound. Uh, 
you know, the the, the two double restarts, the, the double restarts, you know, Shark Boy with the give me a shell, yeah. Always interesting to see um, and entertaining from that perspective. Uh, best thing about the match, getting to see AMW again, um, you know, you it's, it's kind of be kind of hard to do something like this and not have them in that particular James Stone, who apparently is uh, the the second person to have the most impact matches. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, apparently uh, behind is it EY he was behind or somebody else? But um. That yeah, was a cool yeah. thing. Yeah. He was the most. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was talking to a friend of mine saying just how many times, just how many different lives it feels like we've witnessed EY live out across his impact tenure over the years. Um, but yeah, that was cool. Like you said, shenanigans, shenanigans, shenanigans. Ray Wall called it now. Like I'm trying to figure out the hierarchy here. You got the man, and then you got the man who's answers to the man. Who needed a secondary man to come out and, and give a match to the man that's above the guy that he's above? So uh, that's above him, I should say. So uh, yeah, that was it. Was interesting. At that point, Demore was acting in, I guess, a wrestling capacity uh, with the Team Canada swag. That was another good, cool nod, and they gave Young the win uh, naturally. So they they did all the right things. It just it was a, a, a bit of a clown road to get to the destination. You know. I mean. I mean- if we are following wrestling logic and theory all the way through here, as we should do, and take things seriously, I believe there was an elimination tag that disbanded Team Canada forever. Um, and therefore, um, uh, Scott Moore and Eric Young in the same team, calling themselves Team Canada, is actually against the bylaws of Impact Wrestling, unless that was, that was sold with you know, a bunch of other stuff when Dixie bought the company. I'm not sure, but just saying. <laughs> um, it also, you've got to remember, Scott Demore was a pretty damn good wrestler in his youth. He was in charge of enhancement talent for WCW. That was his first major job because he was enhancement talent and he would get enhancement talent for WCW under the direction of one Hulk Hogan, believe it or not. Have you heard this story? No, I haven't. That's okay. So they, they had one guy who was booking jobbers, right, for WCW. And um, Scott, when then, and it was kind of regional. So if you're in a different area, you get a different guy. Scott Demore, obviously being Canadian, he did stuff like the top end of the border. And I think George South did stuff in the South. Um, and then Hogan asked for Scott Demore to bring in a bunch of guys. Um, for some shows and Scott asked Hogan went to see Scott the more and he said what why did you ask me and he said because you picked the right guys he said what do you mean he said all these guys I wrestle here I'm not doing job matches they are and they have to look impressive when they beat somebody and you book the right guys to make them look good so it makes me look good which is, you know, there's not very few people in the wrestling business who could do that. <laughs> but Hulk Hogan is one of them. So there you go. I mean, you know, still Hulk Hogan. But so it was story yeah. worth telling, I feel. No, that's, that's good. Again, you know, like I always say, James, you are a wrestling historian. <laughs> uh, and, you know, um, and that that's always cool to hear. It's always, always interesting, that, specifically in these times, to hear... Uh, um, 
you know, a story involving Hulk Hogan with a good light to it. So, um, always appreciate that. And like you said, it's always cool to see somebody like the more get back in there and have his moments of brilliance because he, you know, didn't do a lot, but what he did do was excellently executed, which you would hope so, considering the fact that he's trained, <laughs> you know, uh, moments. But, uh, yeah, that was, uh, like I said, it's always a cool little moment. And, and he's another person who has extensive history with the company, you know, again, uh, one of the first people there and, uh, you know, AMW, you know, winning the, the tag team titles on the first first show. It's uh, like I say, there's a lot of good history brought back in that uh, that particular <clears throat> match. Yeah, for certain. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lovely rolling knee dive and and a snapmare in this match. He's he's got some shots. Uh, we'll yeah. have to say, but yeah, it was just kind of a part from America's Most Wanted, which was nice. Really, that's kind of what we were after. It's a nostalgia match, and you want a lot of nostalgia on this show, so I have no problem with it. Um, it was cool for what it was. Um, next up, we had some. Um, uh, well, we had some talk about, uh, you know, the Feast of Fire matches and the results of that that were coming up on this show. We had a bit of a backstage or well, after match interview with Devon and Bubba Ray Dudley. They are currently pitching a return of the Dudley boys across the independent circuit because <laughs> this one went so well. Well, I mean, if it gets him off Busted Open Radio, I suppose that's something. Um, <laughs> Um, and then the next match we were looking at was um, Josh Alexander versus Trey Miguel. Uh, obviously, Trey Miguel uh, attacked Josh Alexander and Chris Saban, not Chris Saban, Alex Shelley last week. Um, and Shelley and Alexander are having issues at the moment. Um, and then this match kind of moved forward along those lines. And the basic principle was that Miguel's not quite getting there at the minute to play with the big boys like Josh Alexander is certainly on his way to being able to, and this match was very competitive, um, but he still needed Zachary Wentz to come and take the, try and take the win with him, and he was stopped by Alex Shelley. Um, I have realised we've missed out Feast of Fight, so we'll talk about that in a minute, so let's talk about this match first. Um, yeah, what did you think of this one? Yeah, this is one of the matches I was looking forward to, and it was good. It was solid. Um, but to, but to your point, and and thankfully the way that they they booked the match, because a lot of times we you know in certain other instances and in other places we may see a lot of you know uh, I guess you call it fifty fifty booking or instance where you know there's all that we talk about different levels and tiers of performance, and a lot of times they have a lower tier guy just absolutely overly hang, if you will, with a guy who should be kind of wiping the floor with him. That didn't happen here. But you did see the difference in levels because um, Trey, Trey is great. Trey can go. Um, you know, Trey put on some some great matches as exhibition champion. But, you know, Alexander is a different level, different ball game. And like you said, highly competitive. And then obviously with the added ringside interference when Wentz made it a little bit more difficult. But uh, Alexander was just, you know, again, building up towards his, you know, Big matches, particularly one going into their biggest show of the year. And this was good to see. Uh, probably the best C4 spike I've ever seen him do. Uh, so, yeah, that was uh, that match, match was solid. But then it was uh, the bit afterwards, 
which, which you know, leading to some some good intrigue. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, after the match, Alex Shelley picked up the microphone and they had a back and forth. And Alex Shelley told Josh Alexander, you're welcome, but I wasn't doing that to help you. I was doing that to hurt them, i.e. the rascals. Um, and they went back and forth again over Alexander's title. The only issue I have with this promo is Alexander sounds whiny and Shelley sounds cool. And Shelley's clearly trying to be the heel, but it, it <laughs> he's not the heel. Um, but Alexander isn't the heel either, but he's not strong enough as a baby face. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, it's just, it's interesting because, you know, to your point, like looking at it, it's like Josh is still trying to keep this, you know, uh, almost humble, respectful nature to somebody like Shelley, who to him, you know, is kind of, I guess you would say the OG, if you, if you, uh, if you will, the guy who, you know, paved the road and, you know, uh, set the standard for guys like him to come do what he does. And it's interesting because they always bring that particular point up between the two of them. But the last time, you know, they clashed, it was a different position. Obviously, Alex, you know, very much brought up that history, but he was coming at it from more of a, uh, a humble space. As Alexander was a champion, the roles have kind of been reversed where Shelley has that a certain level of confidence now as champion, and he's using that to kind of throw it in people's face, which is interesting because I think he's, you know, doing well coming into this this here role, but Josh is trying to remain respectful in a way while letting it be known that you're just holding something I never lost and you didn't show the ability to beat me. So mm-hmm. don't get too confident, but he's not really pushing that too hard. I think it's going to get to a point going into Bond for Glory where respect's going to go out the window and these two are going to just want to smash each other in the mouth. So hopefully that's that's where they're going with it. Uh, but I think <laughs> showing feuds like with Bully and uh, feuds like... Uh, with uh Macklin, you kind of have to Alexander, one of those guys that you kind of have to push to a point, um, to kind of try to get him to that more aggressive level, uh, certainly on the mic. So we'll see, but I, I do, I do think see where they're trying to go with it. So hopefully, they build to that. Yep, we shall see indeed. Now we then had, um, well, before that, because I screwed up the timing line, um, we had the reve- reveals of the briefcases. Um, Crazy Steve took the number one briefcase and he gets a shot at the Digital Media Championship. Uh, so it'll be him and Tommy Dreamer sometime in the future. Um, next up, Moose, uh, accompanied by Brian Myers, his tag team partner, was looking for a tag team title shot and ended up with a world title shot. He looked severely disappointed by that. Severely. Um, <laughs> such, such, such in a happy place with his new tag team partner. New tag team partner. Um... ABC, Chris Bay, and Ace Austin were there next, and they receive a tag team title shot from from Case Three, which of course meant UA Uemura, Case Number Four, has lost his job with Impact Wrestling. Now I'm intrigued by this because um, he and his tag team partner, um, I can't remember his name now. I'm looking at the video of him, but I can't remember his name. And Joe Hendry. Uh, yeah. Joe Hendry, what is going on there? Joe Hendry um, have literally just got matching gear. <laughs> so my only thought is they want him back in New Japan pretty quickly because it is, the well, you've got World Tag League, 
And arguably, they could send them two off to World Tag League, and that would be perfectly fine. Um, or they want him for Best of Super Juniors Tag League to partner him up with somebody like uh, Kushida. And I'm not really sure. I don't think he's a junior heavyweight now. He's a bit too big because I'm looking stood next to Chris Bay and he looks massive. So I'm saying Iwimura might be off to Japan to do World Tag League and Joe Andrew might be going with it. Is my shout. I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, to your point, agree. You know, um, does feel like you know he's he's heading back um, to Japan, and we talked about it on the last show about you know looking at the potentialities for these briefcase reveals. That if that was the case, and he was intended to be, you know, it's a bit of his excursion was was coming up. This would be a good, uh, solid, and logical way to put him in position to leave where you know. Uh, it was smooth all the way around because obviously you get fired. What can you do unless they're going to try to do a thing where, you know, as we've seen before, a person gets fired and then they try to come back under a different alias when it's like, this is clearly such and such and such. No, this is, uh, what's his name? When he has a mask on now. Um, so hopefully that they wouldn't try to do nothing goofy like that. Like you said, they're probably going to take him back to Japan. Kind of sucks a bit because, I, you know, him and, and Hendry were entertaining. Hendry's been great. Um, and like you said, they just got matching gear. So, yeah, that, that has to sting a bit. But um, <laughs> maybe they do something with Hendry. And, and, and like you said, maybe they try to make them a tag team. I think Joe would, would, would do quite well in Japan. You know, like I said, he's a he's a bigger guy. He can go. He's charismatic. He's got a lot of tools. So, um, like I said, it sucks for Impact, but maybe a, a – a bit of fresh air for, for for New Japan, so who knows? But uh, it 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 does it does suck. But somebody look, somebody got to take the firing L. And when we listed off the names, it kind of just made sense for it to be you or more. Yes, basically, yes. basically uh, I'm not busy. <laughs> uh, well, the others are busy rather, and you more is not busy. Um, but then again, yeah, and uh, that's what he did tweet that. But they just got matching gears and a ring entrance, so I'm 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 saying World Tag League because it's coming up. It was, it was New Japan Destruction today. We may look I may look at that next week, or we may do our usual. I'll watch it, and Marcus can make comments on it bit next week. <laughs> um, um, so it, World Tag League comes up in November, and so that's on its way. That's the next major thing for New Japan Pro Wrestling, and. Best of Super Juniors Tag League. I think that was announced today as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably the best way for them to go. And you can refresh Joe Hendry a little bit. He's had a bit of an up and down run. So, not like bad run, just like he's gone babyface, heel, babyface, and bounced back and forth and was back on the babyface run again. It would refresh him. And I think the fans in Japan would love him to bits. You know, an entertaining babyface who also happens to be a shooter. What more yeah. could you want in life? <laughs> Antonio and Oki be rubbing his hands with glee. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, the main event of the evening was the all knockouts um, past versus present match, which pitted awesome Kong, Gale, Kim, Jordan Grace, Mickey James, and Trinity up against Angelina Love, Diana Perazzo, Giselle, Giselle, Giselle Shaw. Let's pronounce it properly. Giselle. <laughs> Giselle. She's small. Uh, Savannah Evans, Tasha. That is a point. Giselle Shaw, when she wrestled for for Red Pro, I'm sure I mentioned this last week, had a very cut glass 
upper class English accent, and now she speaks like she's from California. Anyway, uh, Savannah Evans and Tasha Steele, along with Jamie Dallin, Velvet Sky. This went for 15 minutes and 23 seconds. It kind of showcased everything knockouts uh, division has been about for the last 20 years. Um, and it was a blast, and it did all the things that it needed to do. It was very, very cool. Um, it wasn't a classic, because obviously some of these people have not been in the ring very often, much lately. Um, and some have been well retired for three or four years. So to see them go at this kind of level and with this kind of quality and not really lose a step, I'm into that. What did you think of this one, Marcus? Again, you know, perfect agreement, man. This was this was great. This was uh, exactly what it needed to be. Um, you know, you it kicked off the, the double show celebration with the knockouts and it closed it out with the knockouts, you know. Um, you know, I think they, uh, I think Ray Walter Hannafan said in a commentary, you know, the knockouts division was built on opportunity, uh, respect, and, and inclusion. I think that's exactly what you saw here. Uh, you look at these, you know, these two teams, it's perfect representation of the past, present, and future of, you know, the, the, the division and the company, you know, uh, a pillar of the company and, and why they do feel like the leaders in that regard. Um, yeah. Like I said, executed everything well. I think they they certainly booked it right, having Kong be the last uh, to get the hot tag because of everybody that was in this match. I think she is probably, um, and this is not uh, to take a shot at anything, but I think she is probably the most physically depleted of all uh, the uh, opponents because she did look like she was a bit winded there. Um, at the end, and, and she was very limited in the stuff she was doing, very much remaining, you know, trying to stand up and then not do too much movement. I think the most she did in terms of movement was when she kind of got knocked to the outside. But other than that, she she did what we know Kong to do. Um, and everybody got their proverbial stuff in, as we always say, specifically Gail Kim, who was basically on some don't call it a comeback. I was here for years. I, I mean, I've been here for years. Uh, type thing to where she looked good enough to, to maybe have another final run. Um, but obviously that's up to her. But yeah, everything was solid. Everything did good. We got the, we got the pigeons loose. We got the, the ugly bag on the face. Everybody got stuff in. We even had a little nod at the end. And I think they caught it on social media where, you know, there was everybody got their hand raised in victory team Trinity, if you will. And Mickey kind of gave a glance up at that KO title. So maybe that's, you know, she didn't, I don't think she got to end that last bit as champion the way she wanted to because she basically had to give up the title. So this may be leading to something potentially, but uh, there's no lack of, uh, no shortage of competition for Trent's title at this point. But uh, yeah, this is how you you end the celebration. This is how they should have done it. They gave the women ample time to get their stuff in, as they always have. And they delivered as the knockouts always do. I think that's the thing. I mean, you have to remember that Awesome Kong had an eight-year run in Japan before she got to Impact Wrestling. And it was a stiff run. You know, it, it was... We've talked about this before, but um, being an American in a Japanese system and being an African-American in a Japanese system is not an easy ride. She didn't take the easiest path in the world to become a professional wrestler, possibly the hardest path possible, path possible and became a superstar. So, you know, I think, you know, she was she was she was right to get to get the finish and get out of there. And that was, I think that's the thing. And that was the main thing as well. And she did, you know, she did have a retirement match in the NWA 
well, announced her retirement with the NWA. And of course, she had that acting wrong as well because she was in um, uh, Glow, wasn't she, as well? So plenty of yeah. things in the fire for her in the future. So that's the end of the thousands episode stuff. They're officially calling the next one the thousands and first episode. So this was the a four-hour episode that lasted two weeks. Where do you think the company is now in comparison to where it was, say, a couple of years ago when me and you were just done? Um, you stuck with it and I just couldn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, I always understood what you You always, you know, you, you download enough stuff on a daily anyway. Um, so, you you know, you, at this point, at this stage in the game, you very much have to uh, curate your, to your wrestling palette. I mean, I think everybody should. There's so much out there. Um, I mean, if you just stick to wrestling podcasts alone, you might not even have time to catch actual wrestling. But, um, yeah, I, I think they're in a good space. I think, you know, I think there's a lot of momentum building. I think these shows... Uh, was a thank you to the fans and, and a very good showing of, you know, where the company has, has gotten itself to after, you know, also being acquired by, you know, Anthem and, and, and locking that in, you know, securing that space so, so we don't have to have any more conversation about, oh, they're going to, you know, they're going to be existing or whatnot. That's kind of done. And I think the more has done it about as well as you can do a, a slowly but steady building back the brand in terms of, you know, have, having a good rep as, like I said, the brand and, and a lot of shifts up and down across the roster, names we like, names we haven't liked, but uh, I think they got a solid solid crew there now, and you've got people coming back, wanting to come back, you're acquiring names like Trinity, who just that acquisition alone builds a lot of uh, continued faith in what they're doing there, what they can do. Um, and, and like I said, at the Apparently they have some production upgrades on the horizon, which is going to kick the show up or not. So I feel like they that they're heading in a good space. They are in a good space. They got good champions. I feel like every division is is competitive. And uh, yeah, I feel like obviously they've been in higher spaces and places in years prior, but they kind of knocked themselves off that perch and they've had to really get it out the proverbial mud, if you will, and climb back to a space of, of solidarity. And I think they're there, and I think they're going to continue to grow as we see uh, in the coming in the coming months. So it feels good to be an Impact fan again. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people that, that dropped off are starting to take notice again. And people who may have not been watching, you know, getting names, like I said, like Trinity and others, uh, are getting people to watch for the first time, period. So that's always good. Indeed. So we move on to Glee. We are at our favorite building. You made a sky hard build. <clears throat> a meter sky. <coughs> a sky building Stella Hall in Osaka, Japan. 238 people to witness the annual, seemingly, Lumberjack Whipping match. That was the main event. And the show opened accordingly uh, with. Um, uh, and I, I think it was uh, Black Generation International, wasn't it? It was um, Thingy. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, uh, Black Generation kick out. They kicked out the show. Yeah, it was. Uh, Kato Ishida. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Ishida. Yeah, the Ishida. I'm like, wow. Well, yeah. Yeah. So Kato Ishida. Kato Ishida kicked off the show with a promo, um, and then we got into it with the first match, which was. Um, 
Do, 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 do. Sun Wanabe and Yu Susumu, the world's oldest teenager, uh, tagging together against Masato Kamino and Yusuke Kadama. And it wasn't Yan's family who took the win. It was the young baby faces, well, youngish baby faces. Susumu does look to be 12 years old, but he's actually 49. I don't know how he does this. <laughs> don't, don't. Oh, he's not 49. He's, uh, sorry, he's 39. I do apologize. I put 10 years on him there. He's 39, looks 12 years old. Don't get it. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I put 12 or 20 years on him, he still would look like a child. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like a cheeky young chap. Come to wrestle. And he did. And they were very, very good. And they baked Camino and Kadama. Boo to the heels. This was a ton of fun and a kind of classic late opening match. What did you think of this one? Yeah, we normally uh, keep this for later, but you're going to get it out of the way. This is kind of this is what we want the tag title scene to look like in Glee. <laughs> <laughs> these, these two teams right here, because to me, you get more time, uh, and uh, whatnot. This could be a great tag title match to, to main event one of these shows. Uh, but yeah, this this combination was great to see. You know, uh, going to continue to to praise, uh, you know, Jan's family and, and watching their growth and. The elevation of Kadama, who feels like he's been on fire, even in moments that have not coming out with a win. You know, it's it's funny because I, I saw somebody uh, in in the conversation bringing this up, and I, I would imagine I'm like, I don't know how this wouldn't have got brought up because it's it's James, but uh, they, they talked about how you know he's such a great uh, kind of successor to like somebody like Tajiri, who apparently trained him. Um, you know, yeah. obviously with that, yeah. that, that back spring and elbow and, and everything like that. He just, like I said, at first he felt like awkward and the odd man out, kind of clunky at times. And now it just feels like he's like he's butter in there. You know, everything's smooth, everything clicks. But Watanabe and Yuya, man, they just had that energy. They had that energy and they, they you know, they got him with that, that great neck breaker, uh, thing with splash combination. So that was... That was good. A lot of a lot of problems with those two if they they keep them tagging like that. Yeah, I think it it's nice because we don't see occasional teams getting things like finishes. Yeah, yeah. There's the kind of classic standard Japanese tag work which you do see, but you don't see them getting finishes like that. So it was nice, and I'm wondering if they're building them for the Saito brothers because it would be nice to have a young team take those titles off the Saito brothers Absolutely. rather than. One of the, as much as I love Czech and Tamora, they're big and lumpy. And, you know, having somebody who's kind of more junior heavyweight style might be interesting and opens up possibilities after the two biggest, lumpiest possible people <laughs> holding them, which <laughs> makes things a bit more interesting to watch. So, yes, yeah, sir. we'll see what goes on there. Uh, next up, we had um, from uh, Diamond Egoist. General Kai going up against Tamako Inabi from JTO. That's um, Takemichi Noku's promotion and training school. This was a blast. And it was kind of a Genai Kai exhibition for a good eight minutes of this nine minutes and 43 second match. And then Inaba managed to pull it together and snake out a victory at the end. But this was a rock and roll match. This this was way back and forth. I loved it. Um I love Jenna Kai, as I've said many times before. I think she's the future of pro wrestling. Oh, showing a bit of the Kill Bill look this particular week. 
and I'm glad she's caught on in Japan. I hope it's kind of the natural place for her. I hope she does really well in her state with Glate. Um, and I like Inaba too. Inaba's awesome. She's really, really good. And it's nice to see kind of this, a style that we don't really see too often. We haven't seen too often in Glate outside of the UWF division, kind of this strike heavy offense that these two have. Um, so yeah. Um, in other uh, uh, news of Glate regulars, uh, Iwata from um, Sendai Girls beat Millie McKenzie for the Sendai Girls World Championship this week um, at the big show for Sendai Girls. Uh, Millie was the Millie won the title uh, about a month ago, and she defended it a couple of times and then lost it at the end of her current tour. I don't know if she's off back to Sendai Girls or what she's doing next. I would assume she's coming back to the UK. Um, and she's she was she's one of the she's one of the people that got lost when the WWE UK closed down. They were doing an awful lot of stuff with her, and I don't see why she didn't get picked to go to the states. But it's great that she's doing wonderful things, and I'm wondering if she'll start tagging with Charlie Evans again soon, depending on whether Charlie wants to come back to the UK. But she seems happy enough in Australia and Japan, so <laughs> we shall see. Um, but yes, this match was outstanding. What did you think of this one? Absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, this was my first time getting. I mean, also we got introduced to everybody, and 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 a particular death faction, if you will, um, like Janai and, and everybody else. But uh, this is my introduction to to, uh, to Marga Naba, and uh, I I, I kind of um, felt myself more drawn to her. Uh, she kind of reminds me. Um, of how I felt, you know, watching Fakuda for the first time. You know, she's very much got that 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 type of energy, that type of vibe that, that I'm not giving up. You know, even when you think I'm exhausted, I'm gonna hit you with this last minute flurry and and knock you on your rear end. And uh these two, it was I mean, it was just great back and forth. You know, as Jay always say it was a slobber knocker. Um both giving as good as they got. You know, obviously Kai very much having the, the size advantage, and you would imagine the power was well, but it didn't matter. And I was coming back with strikes and, and submissions and whatnot. And uh, but in the end, in the end, I think it was you know Kai that came out with the win. But to me, this wouldn't be overlooked. Run this back, slap some UWF on it. You got a main event, you know. So we'll see what happens there. And we have this belief that. Maybe Suzuki san has been listening to us because we got two Joshi matches on this show. Woo! Um, and it was kind of the classic um, Oz of late, late Joshi match. Yunagi Sayaka, <laughs> I can still can't pronounce the name though. Yunagi Sayaka and Yukira Hasakawa tagging up against AOI and Michiko of Diamond Egoist. 13 minutes and 29 seconds. Um, the heels still take the win. And Asaka and Sakai have not quite got it gelled together quite yet, but they do seem to be getting better. And it does seem to me as Hosokawa is dressing less like the young innocent girl that she once was. And the story of her progression is moving forward. She seems to have taken herself a little bit more seriously with her attire and stuff. She's not going to be like, you know, Sakai and like crop tops and tie trunks. She's always going to be kind of a bit more restrained than that, but she does seem to have kind of like taken hold of herself and become a bit more serious about this issue because 
AOI and Michiko are serious business and they had a serious win in this particular match. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? No, same. Like you said, I think, you know, I think that that's kind of been the story. It's feel like with Yanagi and Yukari. Um, obviously, good, good solo, uh, bring them together. And it's kind of like they're trying to find their groove. And going against Diamond Eagle is they, they very much had to get more uh, consistently intentional about that because, you know, uh, Eagle is just, just a different different breed, it feels like. You know, it's all serious, all, you know, no, no thrills. Uh, just violence and you know even after the match you know we we saw that uh continue you know so um i think this is this kind of almost feels like well you know also we call ring unagi with um also with some help going forward this could very much kind of be a thing uh like when we first started watching gleek where it was very much uh strong hearts versus you know Borco orchestra that type of deal before the women, obviously. So we'll see. But right now, man, Diamond Eagles is up and they not they have no plans on coming down. Absolutely not. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean there was some cool moments from Sasuke Coward getting a rolling cradle on on Michiko is a big moment for her because she doesn't really get that kind of advantage. Um but it was it it reminds me of Joshi of old. The heels like running the table, and that's kind of good, Joshi, in one sense. You know, dominating force that you build and build and build and build. That's that's kind of like what he's like back in the eighties with Matsumoto and and Bulnakano, and you know, there's there's money to be made in them their hills with a a tag team matchup like this. So yes, this was great, and it was nice seeing AOI um, develop as well. Um, Clearly, she's angling for a singles match with um, Yunagi, and no doubt that will come up soon. But this was just a lot of fun, and it's nice to see the women's division get more stuff um, and more more things to happen. So, yeah, I enjoyed this. This was really, really good, and I'm looking forward to more of it. So we'll see how it goes on there. Um, next up, we had uh, Jack Cartwheel versus John Donshow, 9 minutes and 27 seconds. There were some cartwheels. There was some aerial stuff. Um, I like Jack Cartwheel, but he is a little sloppy in spots. And there were some blow spots in this match, which did make me cringe because someone could have got hurt. Um, I hate to say it because I think he's really, really good. And having watched a lot of his stuff in last year in GCW and AEW, I don't think this was a performance that was representative of everything he does. But there were some spots in this where you were just like, ooh, that was not great. But... Having said that, the actual match flowed really, really well, and it was kind of billed as a high flyers match, which I never really considered Tonsho as like a massive high flyer, but certainly I think you know he's up there as far as late's concerned because they're not known. Despite the fact everyone comes from Dragon Gate, <laughs> none of them are known as real flyers, are they? No, no, they're more they're more so strikers, you know, ground and pound and stuff like that. Yeah. What do you think of this match? It's cool because it, somebody, you kind of have to, uh, you know, really get a game plan for somebody like that, Carl Will, who, you know, just kind of comes off like, a, you know, an acrobat. Like, it's, you know, um, and I was going to 
like to your point, because I think you you've seen more of him than I have, and seen more of him in, in maybe singles competition. Because ironically enough, I got introduced to him here in Glee, um, and it's been great to see. But it's been primarily showing off his greatness in a tag team form, which I think has really worked because you know he, he can kind of you know gets in where he fits in and not necessarily have to dictate too much of a pace. But in this this particular uh, instance. Him having, uh, you know, needing a lot of his offense to be set up. And, and the great thing about him, he's not necessarily one of these guys. He's flippy, but he's not needlessly flippy where he's just doing the stuff for no reason. Like, it's very much the transition and the moves that, that kind of makes sense. But to your other point about the clunkiness, you know, doing stuff on the way to the flips and stuff isn't always the smoothest. And it's kind of, it kind of slows the pace of the match. So when you see somebody like Tom Schultz, like, okay, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm going to drop him, take out the legs, bring him down to the mat, lock him down, lock him in. So, you know, we can kind of keep all this high traffic down. And ironically enough, it didn't go Tom Show's way. And even in the end, sadly enough, even the finish was clunky because like Jack did like a really thick shooting star. Mm. Um, uh, or I guess, uh, I guess this would be, uh, he basically pulled a a, um, a a pack black arrow, red arrow type deal, and it was it was clunky. And, and when he landed, I had to go back and watch it because I'm like, did he land in his? Uh, did he yam bag him on the way down? And then and then and then it looked like he just hit him in the leg. And Tonsil was like, okay, I'm done. I'm out of here. <laughs> like I'm not. Done. I'm, I'm done. Did he just mess my leg up? Because because Carl Will is like agile, but he's also thick. So that's a lot of wood primarily like thick with muscle so that's a lot of weight coming down on you i'm just glad he didn't catch him in the in the in the nether regions you know i'm, I'm gonna watch it again now because i've got it lined up and we'll see what actually happened this is instant replay folks for you um he took an off long while to get up <laughs> yeah oh no that's that's not that one it was the next one and you get there in the end i will find it uh hang on can't be that far back where did it go um doo -doo -doo -doo. Where did he go? I've got his arms raised. There we go. And oh, the thing is, you can't do the 10 second forward thing on, on, on the computer like you can on your phone. <laughs> like two and a half hour show, it's really hard to find the bits you want. I was in this corner. I think we're good. I think this is it. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that corner. It was the next corner. Uh, there we go. I think I've got it. Oh, no, we haven't. Oh, this is really, can I do it? There we go. I've done it five seconds back. I figured out how to do it this time. I figured out how to use a computer. There we go. It was a sky twister press. That was the thing. And yes, he 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 landed on his thigh in the upper region, which one would <laughs> yes could suggest was delicate. Um, yeah, and up a little short too because his legs caught the turnbuckle. Mm, yeah. So the, the, just things to polish. I feel nothing bad, but you know, sky twister press is what. Bust Kotobuchi's arm and collarbone and kept him out of wrestling for a year. So you got to get these things right. So, but yes, nothing serious, but an, an thoroughly enjoyable match. I'm not saying it wasn't an enjoyable match. It was just, you know, a um, couple of things that caught my eye, put it that way. Um, next up, we had a six-man tag, which featured Kolakants, Kazayashi, Minoru Tanaki, following, <laughs> tagging with fellow grizzled veteran Seichi Ikimoto, up against Tetsuya Zuchi and Yu Iska, 
and the newly arrived Fire Katsumi from JTO Wrestling. This lasted 12 minutes and 36 seconds. Thoroughly entertaining blast, uh, which the elder statesman won. Um, there was a lot of back kicks in this one. There was a bit of a back kick off rather than a chop off. And then at the end of the match, Fire Katsumi was kidnapped by Jan's family because, of course, he was. Next, <laughs> what do you think of this one, Marcus? Yeah, nobody has a better drafting system <laughs> than Jan's family. Oh boy, yeah, this is I, I I love stuff like this. This is um, this is one of those matches I, I tell somebody to watch it like uh, I guess for the first time. Gleet watcher because it, it gives a good snapshot of the variety of of talent and Gleet in terms of like you got like I said on this side you got the OGs, Cole Cans if you will, and, and Seiji Kimoto who are not to be messed with. Um, don't look at their age and and, ju- and judge that uh, by you know their level, their skill level because they they very much you know, took these young guys to work and, and, and put them through the ringer and, and came out with the win. You know, I, I said Hayashi and, and Tanaka are a lethal combination. You asked about like Ikimoto, and that's that's a different level. And obviously, you and Tetsuya and, and Vire, who I got introduced to here, uh, they brought it, but it's just, it's a different level of experience, and that's what won out here. So, great stuff. Always appreciate these type of six-man uh, type stuff. Just, just good stuff, man. Just high-level talent across uh, both sides. Yeah, they are. Yes. Uh, Izuchi in this match kind of turning up on the shoot style stuff, which he doesn't normally do, so it's nice to see that. Um, it was just good back and forth. I do like Fire Katsumi. Katsumi. He's got some good stuff going on. He is a bright young man with a lot of future, I feel. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, next up, we kind of had a match that was... Um, Kind of a big name kind of tag team match for as far as the future of the tag team titles concerned. Ace Yonatsaka and Takanora Ito going up against former tag team champions Chek Shimitani, Hayota, Tamora. 16 minutes and 41 seconds. This was wrestling. This was an absolute blast. And kind of shows you where the lay of the land is as far as the tag team titles as the former champions don't take the win, which they kind of would have been expected to against a team like Yonatsaka and Ito. But well-deserved for Onitsaka and Ito. And all of this um, shenanigans with Onitsaka joining Jan's family has clearly been worth it for him because I have a feeling they may have a tag team title shot in the future. And he's got as much chance of anyone as taking the title off of those big Saito brothers. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Well, I'm concerned. You got four quality teams that are perfect candidates to take them off the big boys. Uh, we talked about it before, the opening tag with, with, with uh, Jan's family, that combination. Uh, and even though they lost, uh, you got, a, you know, the winners of that match, Samba and Yuya, who could be contenders. This, they could actually do, and this is just me, obviously, fantasy book, and this could be like a mini little four-team tournament you could do. Uh, or I had two more teams, if Walter could do a little mini tournament. Um, it, it, and it could just be great, give them all, like, you know, 15 minutes or whatever, and I think you can have some this great fire stuff, but any combination of, of uh, book orchestra, but specifically the former tag team champions who will continue to praise even without the titles, who are phenomenal champions going against this particular combination of Jan's family with uh, uh, Issei and, and Ito, who are two of the best in the company. It's a guarantee show still, and that's what we got. Yeah. Yeah. Just so much fun. 
yeah. this match. So, yes, excellent work from both teams. Um, and probably one of the tag team matches of the year in Gleet so far, to be honest with you. Because there has been a glut of tag, great tag team matches in Gleet because as much as the Saito brothers do draw, they are boring. <laughs> so what can you do? But there you go. Sometimes you've got to make the money. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, it kind of like solidified on its like as you know, a real deal wrestle. This is one of the biggest wins he's had in his career. Um, uh, Ito landed that gorgeous avalanche German on Czech Shimitani to take the win. Um, so yeah, that's where we are with that, and good for them because it was it was just cracking match. Um, and and we go from the sublime to the ridiculous. The main event, as we said, the annual Lumberjack whipping nine-man tag team three-way match. Normally not a three-way, it was this time. Um, I do have to say we normally uh, kind of... It's taken as a bit of a light-hearted fun match. Like if you remember last year, it was Michiko Miyagi when, back when she was a babyface against Czech Shimitani. And no one was like really taking it that seriously. It was a bit of fun. Michiko won. Um, you know, and previous versions of this has been more on the fun BDSM side rather than an actual wrestling match. Um, and this was kind of like that to start with, and it was full on entertainment. And it was won by Kazuma Sakamoto, Quiet Storm, and Rachel Kawakami. They defeated Black Generations, Hartley Jackson, Keiichi Sato, and Katara Suzuki, and Strong Hearts, El Lindo, and T Hawk, and Junjay. Um, Yan's family, um, an honorary Yan's family member. Um, Unagi Sayaka were, uh, were the lumberjacks, and it was all fun and games. And, and until um, Misato Kamano went a bit crazy on T Hawk, and T Hawk did not like it. And then there was a big showdown, everything stopped while T Hawk and Kamano had a bit of a, had a bit of a showdown. And I think we may have found our next challenger for the G Rex Heavyweight Championship. And I'd be intrigued to see that match because I'm not—I haven't seen Camino in a main event, though I know he's a main event in his home promotion. He's former champion there, isn't he? So, you know, he must be able to go that kind of distance um, in Basra. So, let's see what he does in Glade. I think that'll be intriguing. Um, what do you think of this one? Yeah, same about the, the you know going with Seahawk. I'm like this. You know, he's not necessarily the guy at all to be, be messing with, but you got to step up in a certain way when you, you know, trying to call your shot. Uh, yeah, look, strong parts, vocal orchestra, the, you know, and uh, BGI, all the the foundational faction pillars of, of the organization. And, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, I think just as us with our, with our sensibilities around uh, what we like to see, we probably would have switched out this and uh, the last match and, and, and had the, the tag going last. Uh, but I can understand you want to send fans home happy and entertained, and that's what this was. Uh, so, yeah, fun time, fun outing. You know, both vegetables out of win, which uh, with the long going story that's being told both on screen and certainly on this pod with James, we got Kyle Kami getting the win. Oh, uh, so that's always a uh, a good thing, and uh, yeah, like you said, we potentially got a new opponent for the uh, G Rex, so that's always that's always a good thing. But Bleach is always great about stuff like that. That's that's just one of the part of their consistency. Is like you're always going to be 
you know, not have to wonder what's going on in, in a title picture. It's going to be right there in your face, if not in the, you know, before the match, immediately after. So, you know, I always appreciate that because the, the story is always continuing. Yes, for sure. Yeah. We, we'll, we'll, I'm going to see if version 59 makes it onto the YouTube channel this week because it was a G-Infinity tag team title match on that show. It was from Sapporo and it was on the 17th. Uh, Color Counts wrestled Black Generation International. Uh, Yusuke Kidama wrestled Yuiska. Uh, Shima, Raiden, Hagane, and Yukiro Hosokawa went up against Diamond Egoist. There was a mixed gender tag in that. Junjay and Tetsu Yuzuchi. Jun Tancho and Sonma Watanabe went up against Kazuma Sakamoto and Quiet Storm. So that was an intriguing match. And then Yan's family did challenge for the G Infinity Tag Team Championships on Osaka and Ito going up against Sato and Sato. And the main event was Shimitani, Hayato Tamura, and Raichu Kawakami of Bulk Orchestra going up against El Lindemann, T Hawk, and Jack Cartwheel. So that would be an intriguing card to show. But as it's not on YouTube yet, we can't talk about it. <laughs> I noticed I didn't yeah. give the results away because we might be able to catch it this week. It might be a three for show next week if we can fit them all in. Um, so we'll see what happens. But yeah. Um, and that's really pretty much all the wrestling is to talk about. There was promos after the show, but it didn't seem to be leading anywhere, I don't think, except for perhaps, I think John Tonshow challenged somebody in Black Generation International, didn't he? Kate, uh, um, no, he didn't. It, I think he challenged Tamora. So there's maybe some single matches to come out of that, but nothing serious. It wasn't like an invasion of a foreign tag team or, you know, massive star coming in. So I think yeah. we can close the show on that. Thank you very much for your listening to the Troopney show today. Uh, Marcus, where can we find you on the internet, sir? Yes, sir. Always a pleasure. Uh, you can find me uh, on on the remnants of Twitter uh, at Paradox Kid. That's P-A-R-A-D-O-X-K-I-D. If you want to talk, just hit me up. Ah, uh, you can find me on Twitter. Um, at SheriffLionStarTX oh no, at SheriffLionStar you can find me on Instagram at SheriffLionStarTX you can find the show you can find the show on SheriffLionStar on uh, Twitter and on Instagram you can find us on Patreon and Facebook as The Troopany Show where you keep The Troopany Show free forever for everyone which we would encourage you to do um, and yeah next week we'll be back with more Glate as many shows as we can watch in a week and uh, maybe a fertile of a New Japan match which has that uh, New Japan Cup, which has um, uh, Young Suji there going after Will Ospreay's US champion, sorry, British championship, which he wants to turn into the EU championship, which I'm all for. <laughs> <laughs> um, take care, and we'll speak to you next week. Bye.